Hey, this is Micah Bosworth. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint, and this is our sermon podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this is an encouragement to you. Hope it helps to build your faith. And I hope it helps you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Something that the holidays, and especially Christmas time, seem to always bring about with them is family. Uh, some of you don't look too excited about that. <laughs> uh, it brings about family. Uh, it, it, it brings about uh, just uh, people that, uh, whether you were born into that family or maybe you married into the family, usually brings about being around those who you are related to uh, in, the, uh, in the Christmas time. Now, uh, let me tell you, even the best of families... Even the best of families have some complexities. Uh, that's the nice way of putting it, right? Each and every one of us, uh, if you have family uh, at all, uh, there's some dysfunctions, all right? And, and even the best of families. Families, they just know how to put, push the buttons, right? They just know uh, how, to, uh, how to irritate and how to uh, say the right thing to, to uh, just... Put you off, and and so uh, family, just each, even the best of families, sometimes has uh, some dysfunction. What we're going to see in today's message is that God can take the most messed up, scandalous family environment or situation, and He can turn it into a story of redemption, uh, because Christmas is about hope, uh, and, and that's what we're going to look at each and every week as we see. Uh, from the word of God about Jesus coming, we're going to see that Christmas is about hope. Now, I don't, I don't know what your family is like, um, but when I look at my family line, dysfunction abounds. <laughs> uh, when I just look at my family line, uh, I, I love every side of my family. I love my mom's side and my dad's side and my side and yes, my wife's side even. Uh, I love uh, my, my, every side of my family uh, but when I look through the line of people in, in every single one of those lines in the family tree, uh, there, there are abusive fathers, there are broken homes, there's gossip, there's backbiting, there's teenage pregnancies, there's mis- mixed identities, there's suicide. I mean, it, the list could go on as we look through my family line. Uh, and it's a mess if you really look at it from just that perspective. But even in my own family, I've seen some of the situations, some of those very situations uh, be redeemed by God and his work. Uh, it, it's been an amazing thing just to see uh, some of those situations, as terrible as they looked at the time, uh, how God just turned them around for his glory and for the good of our family. Uh, it, it's been amazing. And, and maybe some of you today would look at your family uh, and see some things like that and wonder, now, how could God redeem this family history uh, or, or what has taken place? But I want us to see today that the lineage of Jesus uh, the, the Messiah himself, God eternal, come down uh, to save us. That the lineage of Jesus is kind of unexpected. It's laced with all kinds of people that you wouldn't expect the sinless, perfect, and holy son of God to descend from. Uh, it, it's, it's an interesting lineage. You see, the lineage of Christ uh, has quite a few interesting characters. And as we look through some of these, uh, just to, to name a few, there are a lot of sinful characters uh, as you go through the list, I think of uh, even just hitting some of them, Jacob. Uh, Jacob, his very name uh, meant that he was going to be someone who deceived others. And he deceived his brother, he deceived his father, and, and through a life uh, uh, of really just uh, 
taking shortcuts to get to the top at times. Uh, Jacob uh, is in the line of Jesus. I I see a name there uh, that is Tamar. Uh, now, Tamar, this is, it's a, an interesting story, uh, to say the least. Uh, if you were to go back and read Genesis chapter 38, uh, you would find that Tamar married uh, Judah's firstborn. That Judah, the son of Jacob, uh, had some sons, and the firstborn married this, uh, this lady named Tamar. And, and uh, the firstborn, her husband, ended up dying, and of course, because of their family line, they would have, uh, then the secondborn would take that woman to wife and, and uh, bear seed to the firstborn's name. And, uh, and that was just how they did it uh, in, in the way that they uh, uh, per- perpetuated uh, the family. And so then the second son uh, was, was to marry Tamar and to, uh, to bear children in his brother's name, but he did all that he could to make sure that that didn't take place. Uh, you can read about it in Je- uh, Genesis 38 that he did what he could to make sure that didn't take place. And because of it, uh, he was judged by it. And so then with no hope, Tamar is, is now uh, uh, in a place where she's, she has no children. And, and back then, that was going to be something that uh, would bring shame upon a woman, that they, they weren't bearing children. And so uh, she went uh, the back door way to basically do this because Judah had, uh, had decided that even his third uh, son was not going to be the one uh, to marry Tamar and was kind of holding out on her to continue the family line uh, through her and through his third son. And, and so she goes uh, around after Judah's wife dies and, and she, the Bible says, plays uh, the harlot. Uh, she dresses up uh, as a prostitute and, and tricks Judah, her father-in-law, into getting her pregnant. Uh, when he found out that she was pregnant, he, he wanted her dead. <laughs> you can read about it in Genesis 38. He, he wanted her dead because of it. And, uh, and then when he found out that he was the father, he realized what a mess he had caused. And, I mean, these people, these are in the line of Jesus. Uh, I, I think of Rahab and her previous life uh, t- before uh, uh, Joshua chapter 4, 5, and 6 as you read those and they get to Jericho but even before that uh, that Rahab's life was uh, the life of a harlot. That's in fact every, everywhere in scripture uh, that title is normally tagged to her name uh, because that was her previous life. In fact really this is the only place in scripture uh, if I recall that, uh, that she is not mentioned as Rahab the harlot. Uh, that she's just mentioned as Rahab uh, as a wife of, uh, of Salmon. And uh, so her previous life was, was uh, prostitution. And then we have Ruth in the line of uh, Jesus, which uh, if you know anything about the story of Ruth, if you were to read the book of Ruth, she was a Moabite. And uh, the Moabites, they, they were a result of, of an incestuous relationship of Lot and his daughters after the craziness that took place there. And, uh, and then the Moabites came down as a descendants of that. And, uh, and then Ruth uh, married into uh, the Jewish family. And of course, the, if you go back and read the book of Ruth, it's a beautiful story of redemption and how uh, Boaz, who's also here uh, in the line, uh, redeems the family by uh, giving her and Naomi their, 
their land uh, because he took her to be his wife. And, and uh, all, it's just a beautiful story there uh, that points to Jesus being the redeemer uh, of us. And, and, but Ruth came from quite the line as she was uh, born and then eventually into this family. And, and then David and Bathsheba are both mentioned in the line of Christ, lineage of Christ, uh, which if, if you know scripture, you would know that their uh, relationship was an adulterous one. Uh, that not, not was just uh, adultery, but uh, also led to deception and lies and ultimately murder of, of Bathsheba's husband, uh, Uriah. And, and then you look at Solomon in the line of Christ. He, he lived, if you read about the, the uh, life of Solomon, he lived for his own pleasure. Uh, the entire time, he, he saw fulfillment in everything that this world had to offer. Uh, and, and at the end of his life, he... Uh, said that his accomplishments, his entire life could be summed up with one word, vanity, emptiness. That was his entire life because he searched the entire world for pleasure and fulfillment of his own life. And at the end of it, he said, really, there was no fulfillment. It was emptiness. But he, he sought uh, really all pleasures but uh, that of which God could truly give him. Rehoboam, his son, if you were to look at Second Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 14, it tells us that uh, Rehoboam did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord because he didn't prepare his heart to seek the Lord. And you can read about each and every one of these characters, what they did. Uh, but Rehoboam, he, uh, he forsook the, the godly counsel that we, he was given and went with uh, some of his peers that said, no, you just need to rule with an iron fist. And he did some great damage uh, to the people of God and the nation of Israel because of uh, the fact that he didn't seek the Lord and, uh, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And then his son, Abijah, in 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 1 through 3, says he walked in all the sins of his father. And so he did everything that Rehoboam did. And, and his heart, it says, was never perfect toward the Lord. And then Jehoram, or Joram, in uh, the lineage, 2 Kings chapter 8 and verse 16 through 18 uh, tells us that he ended up uh, marrying the daughter of Ahab, who was one of the northern tribe's most wicked kings. And as a result, the Bible tells us that uh, Jehoram continually sinned against God. And then uh, there's the king Ahaz in the line. In 2 Kings chapter 16, it uh, says that he didn't do anything right in the sight of God. Uh, Manasseh in 2 Kings 21 says he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, and in 2 Kings 24, it tells us that Manasseh shed innocent blood on a regular occasion, uh, which the Lord didn't take too kindly to. And then this king, Ammon, uh, in 2 Kings chapter 21, verse 19 through 20, says he followed in the steps of his father Manasseh and did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so you, we could go on and on with each and every person that uh, there were some mess-ups, Okay. Uh, to say the least, uh, in this line, uh, in this family line of Jesus. Uh, and, and really, even beside uh, all of the people that did some wicked and perverse things uh, in, that were in the line of Christ, there were also, as I see, not just sinful people, uh, but there were some just ordinary people. No one's special. Uh, they, they weren't people that you would necessarily expect uh, that the king of the world would descend from. Ordinary people. Abraham wasn't anyone special when God called him to leave Ur of the Chaldees. Uh, Boaz, in the line of Christ, he was, he was a simple wheat farmer. <laughs> uh, and, and on down the line, we could go on how David, before he became king, was just a shepherd. 
but then I love as you go through many of these people, you get to the parents of Jesus. You get to Mary and to Joseph. Mary and Joseph, simple town folk from Nazareth in Galilee. Nazareth, it was a nobody town. Um, that's why later in Jesus' ministry, even the Pharisees said, can anything good come from Nazareth? Because it was a nobody town. Nobody special, nobody important came from Nazareth. And here we see Mary and Joseph from Nazareth. Joseph, he was just a common everyday worker. He was a carpenter. He, he wasn't royalty. Uh, Ma- Mary, she was just a young lady who wasn't renowned in the town. Uh, uh, I mean, even if you were renowned in Nazareth, you weren't much, but she wasn't even renowned in, in Nazareth. She was just a young lady who, who tried to seek and follow the Lord in the quietness of her own heart. And yet, these ordinary people are the ones whom God chose to parent his only begotten son, Jesus. We, we see in this line some very sinful people, but we also see some just ordinary people. It's kind of unexpected that uh, these type of people would be in the line of the one and only son of God, the one who would rule over the entire world one day. Uh, the lineage of Christ, it's, it's full of unspiritual people and it's full of unlikely people. It's a bit unexpected, but I believe that the message of the hope of Christmas is interwoven throughout this entire family tree. So I want us to learn just a few things from this genealogy. And I want us to notice first of all that because of this lineage, we can see this. God's grace did not begin at Jesus. Now, for those theologians out there that are like, but Jesus is God, and God was in the beginning, and Jesus was in the beginning with God, and so grace was there from the beginning, and so really, it did. Okay, all right, now we got out of the, out of the way. What I'm talking about, what I mean by that is that we see God's grace woven throughout every single one of these stories. It didn't begin with the giving of his son to this earth. It didn't, it didn't begin at uh, what we would call the age of grace from the time that Jesus came and started the church and died and rose again. And, and really, that's where all of it culminated the most uh, visible uh, God's grace did when Jesus died on the cross. But that's not where God's grace began. Uh, we see God's grace woven throughout every single one of these stories. The grace of God wasn't something that started, as I said, when Jesus came to this earth. Uh, it's been at work since the very beginning. And, and for sake of time, I'm not going to rehearse every single one of these people's stories uh, again or the ones we haven't touched going through them to show this point. But I love this simple truth that no matter how bad these people messed up, God's grace was still at work to bring his people back to him. None of the things that these people did or went through was so bad that God couldn't redeem the situation. None of it was. None of, and what we talked about a little bit today already, that's some pretty bad situations, and yet none of it was bad enough that God could not redeem the situation. My friends, this is such an encouraging thought. Because if God can take these broken stories, these sinful acts, and these wicked pasts, and these prideful people from this family line, and turn it into a beautiful story of redemption, then he can do the same in your life and in mine. No matter what you've done in your past, no matter how you have failed him, 
no matter how broken and seemingly ruined your story may be, God can turn it around because his grace is always at work. The Bible tells us that his mercies are new every single morning. It's by his mercies that we're, we're even, it says that we're not consumed, that, that we are consistently waking up in the morning and breathing uh, our breath each and every time we breathe in and breathe out. That is of God's grace and mercy. It is always at work in our life. And nothing we do or say or, or go through is so bad that God cannot redeem the situation. We see that as we look at the, this lineage. So many people with messed up lives and, and bad choices, and yet God brings it all back to Jesus Christ and brings it into a beautiful story of redemption. So I believe that we can see through this lineage that God's grace did not begin at Jesus. It's always been, and it will always be at work. Uh, but I, I believe we can also see this, that God's faithfulness is confirmed in Jesus. And what I mean by that is Matthew makes it a point to first mention at the very first verse, David and Abraham before he even starts to go through the entire genealogy. Now think about the significance of that. God had promised Abraham that he would give him descendants that would rival the number of the stars, okay? Uh, and, and he told him that through him, through Abraham and his line, all nations of the earth would be blessed, and so Matthew is showing here that the Abrahamic covenant, the promise from God to Abraham of those things is fulfilled in Jesus. I mean, you, you look through and each one of these people in the lineage, they're not the only children that those people had. And so if you think about it, from Abraham all the way through to Jesus, there are uh, hundreds of thousands, if not to a million or more people uh, that, have, that have been in his lineage and, and definitely rival the number of the stars uh, today even as it continues on. And, and because of his lineage, because of Jesus coming from the line of Abraham, uh, we see that all nations of the earth can be blessed. Each and every one of us can find salvation and hope in the lineage of Abraham because it brings us to Jesus Christ, the one who died for our sins. So God's faithfulness is confirmed in Jesus through the fact that he fulfilled the promise of the Abrahamic covenant. And then there was the Davidic covenant, the promise from God uh, to David that someone in David's line would come and would rule on the throne forever. And so Matthew is again using the genealogy to point to the fact that another one of God's promises is being fulfilled in the Christ, Jesus. Now when uh, Matthew would have written the Christ, anyone who would have been reading this from Jewish descent would, would believe that to mean the Messiah, the one, the prophet who would come. Many times because of uh, the, the irreverence that's used or just because if you've been in church uh, for any length of time, you just hear usually the two names together, Jesus, Christ. Uh, we, we many times just think of Christ as being part of his name. It's like his last name, Jesus Christ. Uh, but Christ, uh, that, that title uh, is of great significance to anyone of Jewish descent. It means that the promised one that was promised of God uh, for from Adam and Abraham and to David, that he would come and he would uh, rule and reign forever and ever 
on this earth. And so when Matthew says Jesus is the Christ, when he says that uh, uh, who is called Christ, uh, he is pointing to the fact that Jesus fulfills the promise given to David in that Davidic uh, covenant. The fact that God sent his only son to this earth is such a wonderful testament to his faithfulness. Uh, Our God is so, so faithful uh, to keep every single promise that that he gives. Uh, When the rest of this world is in ruins, God is faithful. When we mess up big, God is faithful. When we confess our our, our sin to him, the Bible tells us he is faithful to forgive. Uh, He was faithful to all of these people that we see in this lineage and every other person and people group that you read about in between all of these people's stories and he will continue to be faithful today in our everyday lives. The Bible says that he began a good work in you and he will be faithful to perform it until the day that Jesus comes back. God uh, has promised to perform uh, the good work in you until Jesus comes back to this earth. And, And he is faithful, that verse says, to complete it, to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. My friends, we must rest in the faithfulness of our God because he is so faithful. And we see that uh, through this story and, uh, and how Matthew points out that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises. And, and every time that we see a promise in the word of God, we can cling to it that God will be faithful to perform it in our lives because of Christ. And so uh, we can see that God, uh, God's uh, grace did not begin at Jesus. It's always been and will continue to always be at work. And God's faithfulness is confirmed in Jesus. But then I also want us to just see this, that God's word all points to Jesus. God's word all points to Jesus. And I believe we see that in this lineage because each and every one of these people uh, are mentioned in the Old Testament, in the Bible. And and each and every one of them leads to Christ. Now, I'm not going to belabor this point because I've mentioned it in other messages before. But throughout each and every story in the Bible, Throughout each and every person's life that we read about in this family line, there is a connection to Christ. And uh, in in a children's Bible uh, that I love to read to Felicity, uh, each um, I try to do it every night. Not always. Our lives are kind of crazy, especially when we travel. But uh, it's just called. It's a it's a kids Bible. Just called this, the Jesus Storybook Bible, the Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd Jones. I love how it's written, and I want, I want to share this quote. It's a lengthy quote, but very beautifully written to bring the point across that God's word points to Jesus. It says this, Now, some people think the Bible is a book of rules, telling you what you should and shouldn't do. The Bible certainly does have some rules in it. They show you how life works best. But the Bible isn't mainly about you and what you should be doing. It's about God and what he has done. Other people think the Bible is a book of heroes, showing you people you should copy. The Bible does have some heroes in it, but as you'll soon find out, most of the people in the Bible aren't heroes at all. They make some big mistakes, sometimes on purpose. They get afraid and run away. At times, they are downright mean. No, the Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything, to rescue the one he loves. 
It's like the most wonderful of fairy tales that has come true in real life. You see, the best thing about this story is it's true. There are lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story. The story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. It takes the whole Bible to tell this story. And at the center of the story, there is a baby. Every story in the Bible whispers his name. He's like the missing piece in a puzzle. The piece that makes all the other pieces fit together and suddenly you can see a beautiful picture. And this is no ordinary baby. This is the child upon whom everything would depend. Just so beautifully written to show that even in every life, as we look at the life of Abraham, uh, the Bible teaches us that Jesus is the better Abraham. He is the better Isaac. He is the better Jacob. And there are so many uh, uh, correlations for each of these people uh, that Jesus is, uh, is in their line, but also that each and every one of their stories is a connection to and pointing us to Jesus and the redemption that he brings. And at the center of that story, I love how she writes it, is there's a baby. It's when Jesus came to this earth. And, and he came to bring us hope and salvation uh, for each and every person. How beautiful is that? At the center of God's redemptive historical narrative of scripture is the Christ child. All of God's grace and his faithfulness culminating in the birth of the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus. And that is what we celebrate. Despite the, the shortcomings and everything else we talked about with the individuals in the genealogy of Christ, God's faithfulness, love, and grace shine through to bring us the most wonderful gift, Jesus. And for those of us who know Jesus as our personal Savior, what a great reminder for us today of his faithfulness and of his grace in our lives. If he can do it for them, he can do it for us. Thank you so much for joining us. A special thanks to those that give generously to our ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. For more information about our ministry, check out our website at wenatchechurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, hit the share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media, and tag us at Wenatchee Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.